The Last of Our Life After Everton series sees the official Everton podcast speak to the club's most successful ever captain. Now, the story of Kevin Ratcliffe's illustrious 12-year stay with the Toffees is well told, a tale of triumph and trophies. But what about his journey after leaving Goodison Park in the summer of 1992? Well, it's certainly an interesting one. I caught up with Rats recently at Goodison Park to discuss, amongst many other things, his time at Dundee, playing against Liverpool for Derby County Reserves, and paying a water bill at Chester City so a match wouldn't get cancelled. Kevin, let's go back to the beginning or, or, or back to the end, as it were, for want of a better phrase. Your, your last game for Everton, League Cup tie against Leeds United. Now, I know you were never the type to do individual laps of honour, but it would have been nice, wouldn't it, to say a proper goodbye to the fans? Yeah, I think that's my only disappointment. Uh, last game of the season, I think it can't remember who it was against. Um, and I, was, I was being released by the club and I thought, oh, it'd be nice to sort of have a, one last game. Uh, but he uh, he chose Dave Unsworth instead of me, um, so thanks Unzi. <laughs> uh, but he was on the on the start of his career, and obviously mine was coming to my end at, uh, at Goodison. Uh, but it would have been nice. I mean, you see these guys that you know sort of be at a club for three or four years, and they get their last game, uh, and you know say their farewells to their supporters and uh, thank you very much. But uh, that wasn't to be. John Terry came off famously or infamously in the 26th minute. It would have been a bit weird of you to come off in the fourth minute, I suppose, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not long enough really, is it? Um, no, I mean, uh, look, I had a great career at Everton and uh, it comes to an end. And uh, uh, do you miss it? Of course you do. Of course you miss Everton. Uh, Especially when you come here on a match day. On match days, well, do you know what? You miss the training, the training ground and the banter you had at the training ground. I've just seen Jimmy the kit man, um, who was uh, our bus driver then. Um, Bob, the groundsman, he's the groundsman here, he was at Belfield. So them guys you miss as well. You know, um, Mary, the, you know, the dinner lady. Um, you know, people in and around the club I, I miss them as much as I miss the players. Um, and, you know, most of the lads that I grew up with at Everton were successful with, would, you know, they were going anyway. They were leaving. I think there was only Neville left and Dave Watson. Mm. Um, other than that, I don't think there was too many lads that, you know, that had had the success that we had. Not many players leave Everton for Dundee. What happened there? How did that come about? I was on a holiday in uh, Florida. And Simon Stainrod, the manager of Dundee, was uh, in a villa across the road from us um, and uh, we bumped into each other. I got back home and I got the call off him um, and I went up there for three months. Uh, didn't realise how far I was it wa away. Uh, mm -hmm. I flew up there on a Friday, uh, played on the Saturday and I couldn't get back for two weeks because there was no flights out at weekends. <laughs> uh, so I had to fly from Aberdeen to Heathrow and then Heathrow to Manchester and then try and get home and then took my car up um, but you know when you when you get in your car and all of a sudden you get to um, Carlisle and at Carlisle it says 99 miles to Glasgow and you've already been in the car for two and a half hours and then you realise when you get to Glasgow you've still got another two hours to go well that was quite demoralising in one way. Um, starting off, quite ironic that it was Simon Stainrod as well, wasn't it? After the incident at Loftus Road with Pat Van Den Howe. Do you know what I, th I thought? Simon Stainrod was this such and such so and so, um, but I got on a, like a house on fire with him when we were on holiday and realised it was all this persona about him that you know he was a bit, you know, he, he plays a part. 
yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, you know, might say he's big-headed or whatever, but he he's got this funny edge to him that he's he's, you know, taking the Mickey. Mm. Um, and uh, I always remember waiting for a table in Florida with him and our wives and the kids, and uh, you get these buzzers or they buzz you or they announce your name, and these uh, these. These, the, the the girl comes on the tannoy and says, Mr. Handsome and Mr. Beautiful, please come. <laughs> <laughs> I did have to question him which one was which. <laughs> so he, he, that, that's the type of guy he was. And I got on like a house on fire and then went up to Dundee and stayed in a pub uh, called, in Brotty Ferry called The Fort. Um, I stayed with, uh, believe it or not, uh, uh, Alan Gilzine's son, oh, right. um, who'd come up there from Spurs. Uh, a lad from Arsenal, a lad from Czechoslovakia who couldn't speak a word of English, and Graham Ricks, and we stayed in this this hotel. And uh, after a month or three months, you know, uh, I think I was down to eight pints a night, <laughs> and I was going to play for the darts team on a Thursday. So I think it was time to come home. Uh, it wasn't very, uh, it, yeah, it was it was good socialising up there, but uh, football was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, other than you playing Celtic. And we beat Rangers on the first game. Mm. Um, we beat Rangers, uh, but they never lost a game after that and won the league. And I think Dundee got re uh, relegated at the end of the season. The move to Cardiff was a bit more logical with you being a, a former Wales captain. Yeah, look, I, I was. Uh, I went up there for three months, come that, back down and uh, I stayed at Everton uh, on a, a, a massively reduced wage just to sort of play reserve team football and help the kids out. I got the call. Then from uh, Carlisle were interested in me, uh, but I got then got a call uh, because I spoke to the chairman who was this guy that was Man United. Remember him? I can't remember Michael his Knighton. name. Michael Knighton, yeah. And he phoned me up and he, he asked a few questions, this, that, and the other. What I'd be looking for and this, that, and the other. I, I said to him, uh, "I'll give you the ring back." And he went, "Yeah, not a problem." Uh, in a couple of days' time, who shall I ask for? He says, "The chairman." And I thought, mm, do I really want to yeah, be going all the way up me. there for him? No, it wasn't for me. But I got a call off Eddie May from Cardiff to go down. Um, sort of did the contract over the phone. And then when you get there, things change. <laughs> and uh, scored on your debut, didn't I scored you? on my debut, yeah. <laughs> up in Carlisle, believe it or not, <laughs> uh, on a muddy pitch. Uh, how it got over the line, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I went down there. Uh, Robbie James was there. Mm. Um, Carl Dale and... Jason Perry and the lads and we, we straight away Phil Stant and straight away I seen we had a decent side you know yeah. great team spirit good set of lads good set of lads and uh, we went into a position I think we won the league that year uh, Barnet were top of the league uh, for right the way to the end of the season under Barry Fry mm. uh, and Stan Flashman was the chairman yeah. and I think uh, Spike Spike Carter Spike yeah. Carter played up front yeah, we, we did really well there, and I, I stayed there, but the, the owner was the, the owner of, um, I think it was a Butlins, Barry Island. And, uh, you pick them, don't you? Oh, I picked them. Blue coats they had there, and uh, <laughs> I, I loved it at Cardiff. Absolutely loved it. The fans took to me. It does help when you score on your debut, um, and we qualified for, I think it was the Cup Winners' Cup, mm. played against Standard Liège. Um and had a couple of good games against them, got knocked out, and that was it for me. They, they, I realised they were only using me until that game. So I played to the end of one season, 
played in the European Cup Winners Cup the following season in a couple of games and uh, just felt that I wasn't wanted there anymore so I got a call off uh, Notts Forest uh, Frank Clark wanted me to go there and um, I just I just went there and it was more or less to control or, or manage the changing room with Stan Collymore yeah. Stuart Pearce was there Ian Wone Robert Rosario um, Coops centre back from Middlesbrough um, all good lads, but a little bit sort of, like I say, you know, just needed controlling and mm. a, a little bit. Um, and it was the first time I come a- across one of these fitness coaches who, who was like, I couldn't believe it, couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, Frank Clark, the manager, worked in a completely different way than I expected a manager to. You'd never seen him all week until a Thursday after Thursday morning, and you do a training session. He's usually reserves against first team. <laughs> and you never seen him till the match day then. Um, but I enjoyed it. It was a different experience for me. Yeah. I thought I was educating myself in what I wanted to do next. I got offered then a coaching job at Northampton with, um, he was the LMA chairman for a while, John Bramwell, is he? John mm. Barmel. Um, but I wasn't quite ready. I thought I could still give. Um, and it come to the end, and believe it or not, the lad, the lad who's just signed, is it for Dortmund? Harland yeah well his dad Alfie and Frank Clark didn't realise that Brian Clough had actually signed him and he was coming that window in January and I was supposed to get a contract to the end of the year but ended up just staying there for three months because they'd signed him as a centre half and Frank didn't know and Frank didn't know (laughs) so uh, I was supposed to I didn't play a game for Forest but I was supposed to play in the League Cup against Man City Um, but uh, you know, they, I got picked and I saw my couldn't play because I was cup tied. I played for Cardiff in the League Cup. Oh, um, but I really enjoyed it there and <clears throat> different system that Frank played with um, Lars Bohemian was a midfield player with Dave Phillips who was a sitting midfield player and Lars Bohemian just made runs forward. So he just played Stan Collimer up front on his own because he wouldn't pass to anybody anyway, yeah, Stan. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's most probably... You know, I think I think Stan uh, he'll admit this that he let himself down because it, I think he's one of the best centre forwards I've ever seen. Really, he was that good, um, but obviously had issues and. And that's someone who's played with Sharp, Gray, Lincoln, uh, he, I don't, you know, this this guy could hit balls with his right foot and his left foot. Um, don't upset him, because mm. then he'd get angry and he'd be even harder to play against. But uh, he was quick. Uh, he was a really really good player. Um, you know, Steve Stone, Ian Wone, you know, these lads, they're mm. good lads uh, that come to the end of that and um, three months in Derby County, Roy McFarlane come yeah. and um, he said, want you to sign, blah, blah, blah. Just once, once again, I've heard how well you've done in the changing room with the lads. Because um, I always think that if you get a good changing room, it's, it's an extra few yeah. points in oh, the year, yeah. you know, and it's all about feeling wanted, even if you're not involved sometimes. So, I went there and uh, he said, look, I need to see you play first. Um, I haven't seen you play, so will you play for the reserves? I said, oh, yeah, where, where's it at? He says, uh, it's at Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> I said, right, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> so I met him, uh, got in the changing room, changed, and the, the kids that were there were, were young kids, really, because mm. you know, he'd signed young players as well, but yeah. they'd also got young players come through. And uh, we played a game, and they were like they were talking to me as if like they they were supporters, you know. So we played a game, and I think Don Hutchinson played for 
for them. I think the the lad that we tried to sign that went to Spurs, he played. There was loads of first team players playing, and we beat them. We battered them. Um, the Stallard was off front for us. Now I think I made one goal. I went in for I went in for challenges. I went in for a 50-50 ball with Don Hutchinson after just kicking him and he, he was favourite and I won it and the lads were like all made up you know so mm. straight away they, they had the contract waiting for me yeah. as I come off for, till the end of the season um, and we were in a position somewhere in the bottom half of the league and got to the, the playoff finals against Leicester which we lost I played six games loved it with uh, you know Darren Wassell uh, Shorty was there at the time of course yeah um, Pem so I stayed with Pem yeah. on the odd occasion um, and it, it was great. I remember watching uh, the the game here, uh, not the game here, not watching it, but listening to it against Wimbledon. You know the the game that we needed to win, and uh, me and Pen were playing snooker in the Breadsall Priory, and I was kept shooting out and <laughs> trying to listen to what was happening, and then come back and oh, two nil down, you know that type of thing. And it was uh, yeah, it was one of the days where it just all turned around. Chester, a little bit like coming home, really, isn't it for you in the end? Um, I was supposed to sign for Berry, for, for Mickey Walsh, and I got a call off of when I was on holiday from Pedge to say, would you come as my assistant, player assistant, um, coach? Is that just what you were looking for at the time? Yeah, because I was still fit enough to play. Mm. Um, but I found playing at that level very, very hard, uh, not easy, um, because you rectify every mistake that was made in the game. But when you made a mistake, nobody was there to rectify it for you. Yeah. So you got yeah. the blame, you know, the, and oohs and ahs. And it was because of, we'd gone in and from Graham Barrow on the circumstances, he, he, he shouldn't have walked out of the club. They just got promoted. We had a budget that was like next to nothing. Um, we had four players signed on first day in pre, pre-season. You're trying to get players into, uh, like I say, just have a training session and get fit and pick a team and sign players on. Very, very difficult. Um Mick Pedgett was most probably the best coach I've ever worked with. Really? He was unbelievable, but he coached too much. He needed somebody in charge of him yeah. rather than him being in charge mm. of the whole thing. And as the thing is, you can overcoach. And you go on to a training field and you try and coach one player, which he did on one occasion, and trying to make him a better player. But then halfway through the coaching session, you find out something else that's wrong with the guy. And you try and coach that. Well, that guy then is coming off the field deflated rather than feeling a better player. Yeah. Um, and there was no real fun with Mick, as in, um, how can I say that, you know, a five-a-side or, mm. or anything. So when he left, I didn't want to take charge. I uh, just wanted to want reassess what I wanted to do. I uh, got offered the job. But uh, I said to the chair, I'm not ready. You know, I'm not going to take over a play a fella. I feel like going myself. He said, oh, don't go. We want you here. And he put the physio in charge. And that just went. He just wasn't the, the, the guy. Um, <laughs> and I, I got the job till the end of the season. We had a couple of great results. And I think the chairman liked the way that I worked. He, he liked the, the way that I could sort of work out figures for him as well. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, make money for him, save money. And... Uh, yeah, I got that job. I was there for about five and a half years in total, and I loved it. I loved the club. Was brilliant. Yeah. We had this great staff, um, about four or five of us, and we used to have a cup of coffee every morning around about nine o'clock. I'd get in about nine. I said, right, we're having a cup of coffee. Phone would go. Don't answer that. We're having a coffee. Yeah. So first one in and put the kettle on, 
and there'd be about four or five of us in. That was the staff as well as my coaching staff, uh, secretary. And we'd all have a cup of tea, a cup of coffee together. And then, you know, we just get on with the day's work. You know, it was just absolutely brilliant. And uh, I still keep in contact with some of them people now. You took Sir Regis to Chester City. Actually, he was my first signing. I, I, I thought as a manager, your first signing's got to be your best. Um, and I'd phoned uh, Martin O'Neill up at Wickham. He was the manager, and I said to Martin about Cyril, he says, oh, I don't know what I'm going to be doing with him. Um, and I was always trying to plan miles ahead to bring players in. And uh, I said, uh, I want Cyril, he said, I don't know if I'm keeping or not. He said, but I'll tell you what, he says, I'll let you know as soon as I release him, if I do release him. So about a week or two later, he phoned me, he says, I've just released um, Cyril Regis. He says... Um, I thought I'd tell you. He says, here's his phone number, give him a ring. I give him a ring, he's in the car on the way back to Birmingham. And I says, uh, Cyril, I believe you've been released. He says, released? I've just been released, I've just got in the car. What's going on? He said, I'd like to sign you, come on over and have a chat with me. And he went, all oh, right, OK. He says, how do you know this? He said, look, I kept in touch with Martin. I've always admired you. Uh, I think you'd be great for the club. He'd come, he absolutely loved it. And until every time I seen him after, he always used to call me Gaffer. He's about five years old. <laughs> me, you know, uh, but I, he said, I've never had a manager that used to bring me in on a, on a Tuesday, oh, sorry, on a Monday, he used to bring him in on Monday, train on a Monday and said, see you Thursday. And he used to come up on Thursday, he loved it at Chester, the fans loved him, he got standing ovations every time I brought him off, because he, you know, obviously at that age, you need yeah, protecting, yeah. He, he was superb and, you know, I remember going out and watching lads play Neil Fisher was another lad that I signed from Bolton I wanted the other lad up front but I think he went to Peterborough for a bit of money um, so I'd done my homework on players I got a good, really good side mm. uh, Dave Flickcroft was playing uh, Peter Jackson a centre half and yeah. uh, we nearly got promoted um, but you know, we, we were punching above our weight with the budget that we had we really punched above our weight but we had a, you got to play off finals didn't you? Uh, no, we got the semi-finals against Swansea, Jan Mulby's side, who had a really good side. But we competed with them. Um, Sean Reed, Peter Reed's brother, who's played for us, or brought him in. Um, and we had... Uh, well, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And then, obviously, I left there under not good circumstances and about three, four months later signed for, for Shrewsbury. Just uh, before we move on to Shrewsbury, mm. I must ask you about the water bill. You must get asked about that time uh, and time yeah. again by well, Chester fans. Tell us about the water bill. Chairman was sort of uh, not paying bills and this, that, and the other. And we had a pre-season game against Tramia, and uh, the chief exec said to me, "We're not going to be playing tonight. It's going to be cancelled because the water's going to be turned off." He says, "I'm going because I'm going to put the." He, he wanted to put the chairman under pressure by just not being at the building to try and sort it out. So you know, on an extended lunch, which I thought was a good idea, but he left me. So I'm saying, "Well, what do I do? The chairman's not going to play it." So. Um, the, the game needed to be put on. Mm. We needed the game. Didn't want to let Tramia down. And if there's no water, there's no toilets, there's no running water, so health and safety won't let you take part. So uh, it was five grand. I went down to the bank, um, got an overdraft straight away. Five grand uh, with a £75 charge. Um, so I said to Jill, the secretary at the time, I said, Jill, I says, uh, five grand after the match. I want it in my pocket, plus 75 quid. And she, she did, she gave it me. Yeah. And the chairman was like, oh, I couldn't thank me enough and this, that and the other. So, well, you know, I think we then got ourselves that season out of the mire with a cell. Uh, well, Ian Jenkins, who was here, 
mm. uh, who I'd signed. Him and a lad Julian also had went up to um, Dundee. So they signed for 180 grand. Also saw Matty Mackay yeah, to here, yeah. uh, who unfortunately didn't make it and threw a bad injury, but sold him for 200 and odd thousand pounds. The, the, the other lad as well, oh God, what's his name? Little left back, back Alex. I sold him for ninety thousand pounds to Port Vale. Alex Smith. Alex Smith to Port Vale, who was a great little player, mm. um, and juggled about, you know. But that was getting to me, you know. They just fighting the wolves away from the door. The chairman not really. It doesn't help when your chairman's coming in in a Porsche, and then the next week a Bentley, and the next week like a Alfa Romeo Sport. Um, and this, that, and the other. It was just disappointing in that way that he was, you know, spending money on other things rather than uh, looking after the football club. What was it like at Shrewsbury? Was it uh, a better-run football club, with all due respect, in Chester? Yeah, but naive, <laughs> very naive. Um, wet between the ears, uh, everything was done properly, um, which is good, mm. but it was too good. You know, too nice in the fact that uh, I went in and every player was on the same wage. <laughs> So first first day in, I found this out because I've gone in and I said to the staff who were already there, I just said to them, right, we don't want a five-a-side today. I just write your, write your best five-a-side team down there. And uh, every one of them had a different team. And I said, where's your best player? Where's your best player? Why isn't he in your team? Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's got a different team. And, I, you know, straight away, that I knew there was things that I'd have to upset the apple cart in a way. Uh, get you know the, the the chairman thought that everybody you know we don't get any you know the, the players from Shrewsbury they don't you know they've not really got they've got an academy but they're not coming through the system and it was a bit political because they had the uh, Shropshire schools involved with it and uh, they were part of the football club and they were playing for England the Shropshire schools but not one of them actually made it to the first team so it was all for Shropshire schools rather than the football club. Um, and they'd had one player that had actually come through the ranks who was playing for the football club. Um, and he was 28. And I said, he's not good enough. But they said, well, he's from Shrewsbury. I said, he's still not good enough. You know, so we had to change that around. And, you know, that was the start. After that, I brought in a lad called Ken Roberts, who's, you know, played for Aston Villa and manager of Chester. And he changed it all around. He brought, you know, Joe Hart persuaded him to play mm. football rather than cricket um, and Dave Dave Edwards so straight away there's two lads there that brought in a couple of million pounds for the for the football club um, they actually were coming through the system just as I left so it was uh, it was nice to see that was working you know the the way that we'd set up the the youth uh, set up which was there and it was a great setup uh, for the type of club that it was you know it was already in place mm. but just needed tweaking so it was, uh, undoubtedly the highlight of your time at Shrewsbury oh, yeah. was the win against Everton yeah. which you've spoken about many many times did you speak to David Moyes after that game did he I pop did. in and see you yeah I did um, look you always have a drink with play. he didn't want to drink afterwards he just wanted to get off he was fuming um, and he came to tell me that you know he said I'm not happy Kevin. I can't stay but thanks for the offer and uh, off he went I didn't think it was rude at all I just thought that you know that's part of the game you know when things go wrong and uh, it, he phoned me up on the Monday morning and said, um, Kev, you know, he said, I've watched the the video of the game a couple of times. He said, I didn't realise how well you'd played. He says, well done to you lads. But unfortunately, we never won a game after that. 
in the league and got relegated. Mm. So there's uh, there's good things, but it turned the club around uh, at Shrewsbury. You know, club was six hundred seven hundred thousand pound in debt at the end of that year was six hundred thousand pound in credit, and we turned down. Um, I think it was near on a million pounds. We'd sold a player for five hundred grand. We turned down nearly a, just under a million for two players. So, you know, the club the club were in good hands, and that was one of my jobs that I thought I was good at bringing kids through yeah. and giving them a chance and uh, making them better players. The win against Everton in the FA Cup and the subsequent relegation, are those two events connected, Kevin? Did the players take their eye off the ball a little bit because all of a sudden uh, they're amongst the most famous footballers in the country? Yeah, uh, look, you know, we, it was a great win for us. We had a mixture of young and old at the football club at the time. And I think the young resented the elder players because uh, they were getting the pats on the back, but also getting extra days off. The extra days off come because they played 500 league games and not 10. And they couldn't get their head around that, that I wanted them back in afternoons. And, you know, they, they were good kids, but, you know, I think only, only a couple of them went on and actually played at a higher level. It's been an interesting journey since you left Everton, hasn't it? It has, yeah. Now I'm doing a bit of after dinner and uh, working with BBC Wales, which are really, really, it, it's the next best thing, you know, working in the media, as in you're meeting people like yourself and um, and everybody. And you're still involved in a team. Uh, well, I went to Euros the other year, which I never did as a player, but I did as a, a, a on the media side. Absolutely loved it. Um, and it was a team effort. So once again, you've got a team around you. And it, we just worked really well together and we really enjoyed it. The big thing was when we come back, it was flat for the next season, you know what I mean? That's it, you've done, exceeded, exceeded your expectations, really. I told my missus I was going to be away for about two, two and a half weeks, and five weeks later, I wasn't back. I was still in France because we'd got that far, got the semi, so it was great. Absolutely fantastic journey, that was. It's been a fantastic journey since you left Everton. Thanks very much, Kevin Rackley, for sharing it with us. Cheers, Daz.